Good morning. Good morning. It's uh, it's good to it's good to be back. Um, I've been gone for a couple Sundays now, so it's uh, which is which has been a blessing. But you know, after a while, I you know, I get uh, kind of tired of hearing my my own voice uh, every Sunday. So I'm thankful to be able to listen to Brother Kevin this morning. So I don't want to take too much time away from him. Um, in the 105th Psalm, um, Kevin has talked a lot about the. You know the, the church and worship and uh, how, how vital it is that we uh, that we keep that we keep things in line with the Word of God. Amen. And in the 105th Psalm, there's a, there's a, there's a lot in this Psalm that that uh, I'd love to talk about, but I really just want to talk just a, a little bit about the, the the first the first few verses where David is to, he's describing really worship. This Psalm was is believed to be penned whenever uh, they were uh, taking the Ark of the Covenant. I'm into a, a, a tent that David had prepared for it, and uh, he had penned this psalm at, at that time. And he says, "Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people, sing unto Him, sing psalms unto Him, talk ye of all His wondrous works, glory ye in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek seek the Lord, seek the Lord and His strength, seek seek His face evermore." Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Does not that sound just perfectly describe what we try to do here every Sunday? I mean, it brought a great encouragement to me when I read that. It reminded me of Buffalo. It reminded me of Buffalo Church. And I don't say that to, you know, that we should be high-minded of ourselves in that. But that it is a beautiful thing, I think, when we can read the scriptures, when it describes the the worshiping God, that we can picture our church there. That it, that when we read that, it that it sounds a whole lot of like Buffalo Church. I think that is a good thing. That is a wonderful thing to me. And then after that, David goes and describes uh, from Genesis all the way uh, from Genesis all the way to the end of Deuteronomy, all of these wondrous things. And what I think is very important is the perspective that David puts here uh, throughout talking about throughout talking about all these things is that he makes God the chief. He gives all the glory to God and all of these wondrous things that, he's, that he describes that happen to these people. It, it's perspective. It was beautiful perspective, I think, and I think that is vital whenever we come to worship that we have a, a good perspective that what we do. Is <laughs> not to give glory to ourselves or to 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 glory in uh, what our forefathers have done. The Pharisees were very uh, and Jews when Jesus came were very bad about that. I was talking to Brother Kevin about whenever you you know you study about the Pharisees and the Jews, more often times whenever they encountered Christ, they didn't talk about what God did or what God said. It was all about our fathers did this, our fathers did that, Moses did this, Abraham did that. But in this psalm, if they had just studied this psalm, David had a beautiful perspective on what on what uh, they had just lost in their mentality, in that it was all through God. It was all by God. Everything he even describes uh, he, he describes them here about uh, it, it's famous in the in the sixth chapter of John, where the the Jews when describing Moses and Jesus knowing their hearts. They had just, they had attributed the bread coming down from heaven as being done by Moses that that was given to them by Moses and asked you know what can you give us and he corrected them and David says the same thing here he said that that came from God David describes God as sending that bread from heaven he even describes God as bringing forth the water from the rock that Moses had had stroked uh, everything he attributed everything to God and I think that. <laughs> that uh, you know we, we've talked about before about how it's famous that pride comes before a fall and that any time if you study throughout history any time uh, a, a people or even a person becomes very high-minded about themselves and attributing you know more more to man and, and to ourselves that there is always a fall that follows yes. that and I think we're, we're seeing the effects of that greatly and I think it's vital that we take the fresh perspective that David had in, in attributing everything glories, everything we have from salvation to our doctrine, 
uh, everything, the, 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 when, the fact that we wake up in the mornings, that when we do, that we, uh, we attribute those glorings to God. And uh, I think what, what's interesting is in the sixth chapter of John 2, whenever uh, Jesus answers them about, you know, that, that God had sent them that bread from heaven, he said, I am the bread of life. And he said, he that cometh to me shall never hunger. And that word cometh, it's a, ver- it's a verb that, is, that denotes a continuous action. It's a continuous coming. It's not, just a, it's, not just a one-time, it's not just a one-time thing. It's a continuous coming. And uh, what Jesus was teaching them, the same thing he's teaching us, that when we continually come to Christ, just as that manna from heaven that gave the Israelites uh, nourishment, and strengthen them and strengthen their hearts and their and their and their minds, their bodies physically by taking that bread. That when we continuously uh, come to God in worship, not just on Sundays but every day, and we continuously come to God, whether that's in uh, in prayer, in reading scriptures, mm-hmm. in meditating upon things, right. in worship, in singing psalms, as he says, singing psalms and discussing things, that we are continually. Coming to Jesus Christ as our bread of life for nourishment and for strength. And I pray this morning that we may have a, that perspective of, first of all, of David. <laughs> that uh, the reason we are here is for the, the glory of God. And to glory in the things that he has done. The things that he has uh, continued to do in faithfulness uh, to his people. That, he continue, that he's continued to do. And that we will uh, continue to... Come to him for nourishment uh, this morning and every morning. Thank you. I appreciate uh, everything Brother Cole has said. I'm, I'm, what I'm going to talk about this morning is difficult for me to try to, to, uh, to keep in line and to keep a perspective about it that makes it easy for you to understand. I'm going to try to talk about um, something that I hope if you've ever read the scriptures. Now, you know, I, I used to read... And, and especially when I went to college, and we won't talk about my college days <clears throat> too much. Uh, but even in high school, my, my memory was what helped me pass. And I would read uh, cliff notes on books. You know, you're supposed to read a book, uh, and they would have cliff notes, and that kind of hit the highlights. Boy, there's a lot of details that the cliff notes leave out. Um, now, you can buy a lot of cliff notes of the Bible little daily devotionals, and if that is your only reading of the Bible, you're going to miss a lot of details. And uh, God is a detailed God. Um, you know, we, uh, when, 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 when our Lord in the book of Revelation spoke to, uh, to the angel, and, uh, and of which he conveyed to John that, <clears throat> that Satan is let loose to deceive the nations, uh, if ever in a time of history that every nation, including America, is deceived, it's it's right now. I mean, we're we're in a we're in a great state of deception, because Satan is a deceiver. That's what Jesus labels him at, as. And uh, and guess what? Uh, our hearts are also, as God rightly describes them, are deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. And who can know? Them? I, you know, there are, there are probably things about you, I'm sure there's things about you, that you, won't, you do not want anybody to know certain feelings you have. I don't want you to know the things inside me, trust me. I do not care to air my dirty laundry, what goes across my mind and my heart. Me and God knows those things, and I'm ashamed before God. And you're the same way. Uh, but I don't want my heart to be deceived purposely. I don't want to yield it out to deception. I don't want to say, okay, I want y'all to tell me, I want the, the, uh, uh, whoever's a teacher in this world, and you're a teacher, and I'm a teacher, in some instance and form, you are a teacher. Uh, what you do, how you live is, is teaching somebody else. How you talk about God teaches somebody else. What you say about God teaches somebody else. How you serve God teaches somebody else. Oh no, the uh, I, and I don't want myself to ever be a teacher to you for things that are wrong, um, and and I don't want to tell you what you want to hear. No, I don't want you to tell me what I want to hear. Listen, if if ever I get off the beaten path, I want you to have enough love for me to say, brother Kevin, uh, what I hear about you is not good, 
and, and uh, you're a servant of God. And now sit down. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's pray together first. Uh, because when, when, when Satan and, and, and any minions of his, of which I can be one, you know, just because I'm a child of God doesn't mean I cannot be a minion or a, somebody who takes the deception of Satan and teaches it to somebody else because I, don't, because I only got cliff notes. You know, and, and I've heard somebody say something, and surely if they said it, it's got to be right. Until you read the Bible and you get deep into God's Word, you keep, listen, to, you put your nose in here and you start studying and praying. You see the details that are in, that are in the, uh, the Word of God that are, that are vital. Because what, sometimes what we don't know, how God perceives things, will then reflect on what we do because we don't know why, how God perceives things or why he perceives them. Somebody, uh, you may have said to somebody, it doesn't matter if you do this and this, though the word of God would contradict it. But because you're somebody that somebody looks up to, they say, well, if he told me that, then it's okay. Uh, and you might be that somebody. I've been that somebody. I don't want to be that somebody anymore, and I hope I hadn't for years, uh, especially as a pastor of Buffalo Church. So um, I want to go to some difficult scriptures, and I want to explain these scriptures so that the details of these scriptures, you're going to understand the... A, 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 what some folks will look at this and say there is contradiction in the Word of God. And you know there's not. And, and that's what I want to show you this morning. But I also want to show you this morning, even though there's no contradiction in the Word of God, there are consequences in the Word of God and how God perceives things and what we do. So first of all, let's go to the, to the, to the book of 1 John. One, this has confused me a lot in life, especially in my earlier uh, days of reading the Bible. I came across this scripture, and I was perplexed, uh, perplexed about it and thought, I don't know how to even teach this. It takes several years, and other people helping. I, listen, I give a lot of the, uh, uh, I have a lot of respect to Elder Harold Hunt, who kind of set me right on some of these scriptures. Uh, all right, in the third chapter of the book of 1 John, not the gospel, but the book of 1 John, in the eighth verse, it says, He that committeth sin is of the devil. You ever committed sin? I have. Well, guess what you were of at that point? Guess, guess who you were acting as a minion of? The devil. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. That is the beginning of the world. His, after his fall, right? After his fall, then, then he caused the fall of Adam and Eve. <clears throat> For this purpose... Now, this is important. For this purpose, sin, right? For sin. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Are you willing to say that this morning? Now, if you're being born of God, is uh, <laughs> whether or not you are is determined on whether or not you sin. Can anybody really say this morning that you're born of God? If he that borneth God, he that is born of God, doth not commit sin. Would anybody here say, that's me? Because there are people who think they do not have sin. And I'm going to show you that's, that, that's wrong. All right? But this, this scripture is true. This scripture is true. We cannot say that, that God's going to lie to us in any ways, right? Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed, that is the seed of God or the Spirit of Christ, remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Again, do I ask you, do, do you have sinful thoughts and do you say sinful things? Do you have sinful idols and do you... Uh, covet sinful things? Does your, does your heart ever be taken? Is it ever taken away from God? Sure it is. All right. Now let's go to, hold, hold, your, hold, that, hold that verse there and then keep that in mind. That's, that's important, right? Uh, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. All right, let's go to the 
first chapter of first John stand in the same book. Eighth verse. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. That sounds contradictory, don't it? He that is born of God doth not sin and cannot sin. And now he says, if we say we have none, then we're deceiving ourselves. And his truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And nobody can make God a liar. And his word is not in us. That is especially the word of truth. So we can't say we're not sinners. You know, Paul said in the, in the book of of, he, of uh, the book of Romans and that that great uh, long line of of, uh, of of like Brother Michael Goins um, said, it's a it's like an autopsy of of man. You know, when God lays open everything about us, Paul's conclusion was that they all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now we have the fact that we're sinners, and then the fact we're not sinners. How do, how do we how do we figure this out? Uh, well, we figure it out by the definition of sin. All right, we figure this out by the definition of sin. Now, again, you don't have to be a theological student. You don't have to to, to understand this. All you got to do is read the Bible. Everything that you need to learn about these things is not in cliff notes about Bible. You will not find this in daily devotionals. They're good. I do not mention, I don't say anything harm about daily devotion, but it will not take the place of you putting your nose into the scriptures and actually studying and reading and praying to God for the wisdom that's necessary for you and me. Because I wish I knew this as a young child. I wish I knew this at Graham and Kinley's age. And uh, 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 I, wished I, I wished I knew this, you know, uh, a long time ago. I never heard things like this preached a long time ago. You know, we, we, I come up in a, in a time when, when preaching was, uh, was basically trying to defend our doctrine of grace, and that's really all you heard every Sunday, wasn't it? Most of the time that was it. Uh, it's not that way anymore in the old Baptist who listens to podcasts uh, of other ministers. It's not that way, and it shouldn't be that way because Paul said to the Ephesian brethren, I have not declared to show, uh, show unto you the whole counsel of God. There is a whole counsel of God which includes sovereign grace, the work of Christ, the work of the Spirit of God, the obedience of God's children, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, righteousness, peace, all the things. This is a, this is a full scope of things. You won't get in cliff notes. All right. Now, the definition of sin is going to be the, the answer to this. Now, I want you, to, I want, I want you to, to put this in mind. The definition does not change. In America today, we have tried to change the definition of sin. We can't do it. Guess who put the definition of sin on this? God himself. Here's the definition of sin. Same book, third chapter, fourth verse. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. That is its definition. The law of God says one thing, I do something else. God does not adjust the law to fit what I have done and say, it's okay. God cannot change, can He? His law, the, and now listen, when I say the law of God, I mean the whole, the whole scope of it. There is the Mosaic law, or the law of God given to Moses. Uh, even the Bible says it's called the law of Moses, but it did not come from Moses. It came from God. It's God's law. There are ten commandments under that law, right? Anytime I break one of those, guess what? I'm a sinner, or I am sinning. But that's not the whole law. If you go to the, I won't go to go to the last chapter of this same book. And this is a good book, y'all. If we, if we get the context of this book, when you read it, it's going to make better sense to you. John also says, all unrighteousness is sin. Because you might say, because listen, as sinners, what do we usually try to do? You know, I had a, I had a friend, he was my boss one time, and, and uh, 
And uh, he told me, he said, Bubba knows, it's Eddie Hollingsworth. And as Eddie Hollingsworth like Lofton, he said, I tried for about three years not to pay my taxes. I thought I had a loophole. He says, I, I went on for three years and thought I did pretty good. He said, and about three years, Lofton, they, they caught up to me. And I owed them $15,000. They garnished my wages until I paid $15,000. He said, don't try that. <laughs> there are no loopholes <laughs> of not paying their taxes. Now, there are some things, there are, there are some parts of the tax system that you get credits and stuff like that that are lawful. He was doing something unlawful. There are no loopholes, friends, in breaking God's laws. Sinners have tried, and I am one of those sinners that have tried to, to convey to God that what I'm doing is not so bad. It could always be worse. That's not a good argument to take to God. That I'm not as bad as I could be. How fortunate you are, God, that this is the only sin I'm committing. And the way I commit it and what I do does not hurt anybody. Yes, it does. It hurts me. And it's going to hurt people around me who might be watching me. Uh, no loopholes in the Word of God. No loopholes in His law. When God says that sin is a transgression of the law, we've got the law of Moses, and we've got all unrighteousness is also sin. So anytime you commit an unrighteousness, you are breaking a law of God. Something God says you can't do. Now, if you want a good list of these, let's go to the book of Galatians, and I want you to, to follow along with me. These are, these are the... Uh, some of the laws that that we in the uh, good old United States of America have said that they are no longer intact. Um, that is, people have thought, uh, thought to have some loopholes, and guess what? They're wrong, and they're going to always be wrong. So when Paul lists, and I want you to know the, I want you to see the consequences of these unrighteous actions. All right. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. They're open. Here they are. This, this, when you see somebody do one of these things right here, they're not working after the Spirit of God. It is something of the flesh that is breaking the law of God. It is an unrighteous action. All right. <clears throat> adultery. Anybody would ever say adultery is, is not right? Or adultery is right? No. It, it's against the God's law. Fornication, you know, and we get taught that in America that this is okay. You just live together and, and you know, co-inhabit one another. Uh, and, and, that, and that it is okay to, to see if you're going to be compatible before you get married. Try it. It is okay if, if just because the government or just because your educational system, they teach you things that you can not do and still maintain the law of God. Fornication as a sin. Uncleanness. Now we're still in the same area of sin here. All right, so this, this might move right on into homosexuality, which people say is fine and dandy today. Love is love. It doesn't matter. God says it's a sin. No loopholes in that. doesn't matter whatsoever. It is a sin. Then lasciviousness, which is the teaching of these things, which is when you turn on your television... You know, and, and, and there's a, a, a lustful, uh, seductive woman eating a hamburger because Wendy's or, or Hardee's, it was Hardee's that used to have one of the worst commercials that, you know, <laughs> trying to advertise a hamburger, and it was nothing but a, you know, uh, but a filthy-looking woman very, being very seductive or lasc full of lasciviousness. That was a sin. It was a sin. God calls it a sin. Let's just leave it there. Don't find any loopholes. All right, then he kind of changes after that. Idolatry, witchcraft, which is on the rise again. You know, there are, there are a lot of witches now in this. Some in Dixon County, they got clubs and stuff. Uh, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresy, envying of other people, murders. You know, that's abortion. That's or out here if you want to shoot somebody. You take somebody else's life, there's no loopholes. God does not give a loophole for incest. He does not give a loophole for rape. He doesn't say you can kill the baby. It's okay in, under these conditions. No loopholes. Killing somebody other than war, 
other than self-defense and other than capital punishment, which are the only three things in the Bible that God gives authority to take somebody else's life, you are sinning against God with no loopholes. Murders, drunkenness, that's excessive drinking, falling all over yourself, cussing, swearing, saying things you shouldn't say. I've been there. Thought I had loopholes back today. Thought, you know, thought that it was okay with God because I, I was with friends who doing the same thing that I was. Surely, if my friends do it, then it's okay if I do it. Guess what? No loopholes. I paid for those sins. Drunkenness is a sin. Lawful drinking is different than drunkenness. I don't have time to go into that. Drunkenness and revelings. And that's, that's simply the American term for partying. That's what we do. That's when we say we want to, you know, when my, I want to send my kids to Panama City during spring break as a member of the church, you know. Send them down to Panama City in spring break and just let them be holy down there. Listen, folks, Abraham said concerning going to the land of the Philistines when he said that Sarah is my sister and not my wife. And he said, once the king was threatened by God, so you lay a hand on that woman and your life is gone tonight, mister. And, and he wakes up from that dream and he goes to Abraham and he says, why did you tell me she was your sister and not your wife? Because Abraham said, because I perceived that the fear of the Lord is not in this place. There are places that you can go, intentionally go, that the fear of God is not there. Stay away from those places. They may teach you to revel. I was in those years ago. I'm going to tell you, friends, I, I say this. because I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to get to the point in just a little bit. I say this not to say, that for you to say, well, Brother Kevin, he did that years ago. I, surely I can try and get by with it. You will not get by with it. You'll not do it. And I'm, I'm going to show you why you're not going to get by with it. All right. <clears throat> now, notice what comes after this. Paul says, I tell you before, as I told you in time past, that they which do such things. So if you're in the commission of these things in a, in a general practice of them, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Are you okay, friends, to give up the things of Christ for these things? Is it worth it? Now, this is not inter- inheriting heaven, but this is the kingdom that you are to seek first. This is the kingdom that is what? When, God, when Paul gives this description, what does he say? The kingdom of God is righteousness. It's not this. The kingdom of God is righteousness. It's peace in Christ. It's joy, what? In the Holy Ghost. It's not joy in parting. You know, we, we, we tend to teach these things to our children like they're okay. You know, we, uh, I have a, have a different view of things than I used to because the more I read the Bible, I have to have a different view. I had a whole lot different view of myself. You know, God changes my view of myself, and I'm glad he has. <clears throat> we, uh, we all teach our children to stay away from certain things because the fear of God is not there. It's just not there. There are places I went when I was a late teenager and early 20s that the fear of God was not in that place, and there I was. Shame, y'all. I'm going to tell you why it's a shame. I'm going, to drive, I'm going to drive a point home to you that I hope affects you anytime you decide to do something wrong from here on out. Anytime you decide to break any of God's law, whether it's the law of Moses, whether it's, a, whether it's an unrighteous act, action, because sin is a transgression of the law. But why in the world do we have in the book of 1 John that he that is born of God cannot commit sin? Well, it's because of the law. There's something, it's not the sin, but is it, there is a law. Now, here's the answer. Uh, let's go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. Take your Bibles. You got your Bibles. Let's read. <clears throat> I want you, I want you to, uh, to follow along with me, okay? Romans chapter 8. There is therefore. Now, when you hear the word therefore, we're going, we're going to back up seven. We're going to. We're going to go backwards in this. There is therefore now no condemnation 
to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, that is a positional uh, 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 scripture. Somebody that has the Spirit of God, remember, his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin. He cannot sin. He cannot sin against a certain law. Sin is what? A transgression of the law. There is a law that you, as a born-again child of God, cannot sin against. And Paul's going to tell us which one it is. He says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You cannot sin against the law of sin and death if you're made free from it. Does that make sense? Now, the law of sin and death is what everybody fell under in Adam, right? Even you and me. When you were dead in your sins, you were under the law of sin and death. And if you died in that condition, you would have gone straight to hell. <clears throat> but guess what? None of God's children are going to die in that condition. Because the law of the spirit of life is going to make them free from the law of sin and death. Now, Paul said, therefore, let's go back and read in, in chapter 7 a little bit. Let's go to 7, chapter 1. Uh, chap, uh, chapter 7, verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he lives. No loopholes, right? None. Now, for the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband. That's what God says. There are some exceptions, but this is not that scripture to teach it. So long as the husband lives, but if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is what? Free from that law. So that she is no more an adulteress, though she be married to another man. You cannot be under both of these laws at the same time. Does that make sense? You cannot be under the law of sin and death. And you cannot be under the law of the Spirit of Christ Jesus at the same time. Something's got to die. Your first husband was the law of sin and death. That is, that is the nature your mother and father gave you. <clears throat> that is the... Uh, that, and that is a condition that Paul would say when we're dead in trespasses and sins. And in that condition, friends, you cannot please God. In that condition, you have no faith. In that condition, you cannot do one righteous work. In that condition, there is none righteous. In, there are, in that condition, there's none good. In that condition right there, there's none that seeketh after God. In that condition, there are none that have known the way of peace. Paul, that's, that's that list, that's that biopsy, if you will, over in uh, Romans chapter 3. Uh, uh, the, uh, the law of sin and death has got to be paid. And either you and I are going to pay it or somebody's paying on our, on our behalf. <clears throat> now listen to what he says. Wherefore, my brethren, ye are become dead to the law. And that's the law of sin and death. You are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. So when the Son of God, in His righteous, holy body, who did not commit a sin, could not commit a sin, had your sins laid on Him, and there He was on the cross by the body of Jesus Christ, who paid for every sin that every one of His children that God gave Him to die for, as, 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 as Paul would say in the book of Colossians, uh, I want to go read that. I don't want to go, I'm going to try to quote it. I missed some of it. But, uh, but as, uh, as Paul is saying here, you are become dead to the law by the body of Christ that ye should be married to another. You've got a different husband right now. How about that? How can you sin against something that is dead to you and you are dead to it? It's impossible. So you see, you see now a little bit, a little more clear why John said 
He that is born of God cannot sin. That is, he cannot transgress this law. This law is dead to him, and he is dead to it. But it was not on just any mere fact that God just said, you know what, I just want to toss it out and be done with it. No, he laid it on the Son of God, y'all. He laid your sin. He laid this law on Jesus Christ and said he is going to bear this for you so that you are married to him. You're married, you're under a different law. And his seed remains in you. It shows that when somebody is born from above, when they're born of God, notice what he says, his seed remains in him, means he'll never fall from it. If something remains in you, it's not going to leave. If you're born from above, you're going to die in that condition, and this law of sin and death will never have dominion over you ever again. Or Jesus Christ simply could not have removed it, but yet Paul says he did. And that you are dead to that law, and that law is dead to you. It'll never bite you again. That's why you can't sin against it. You can't sin against that law. You become dead to the law by the body of Christ that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit now unto this same God. All right? And when we were in the flesh, that is, when we were under the law of sin and death, the emotions of the flesh or the lust of our flesh, which were by that law, and that law proves that you're a sinner, right? The Mosaic law proves that you're a sinner. Every time that you break the law of God is a proof that you are a sinner. It did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. That's the only thing. That's the only kind of fruit you can bring. But now we are delivered from that law, and whatever you're delivered from is never going to come back and get you. That being dead, wherein ye were held. Notice the past tense. You were held in it, and now you are dead to it, and it is dead to you. That ye should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Now, our service to God is different. Once you're born of God, your service to God becomes different. Your fruit now becomes righteous. Now, let's go to that book of Colossians. Now, but first of all, let's go back a little bit in Romans chapter 6. Just to prove this a little bit more. Okay, Romans chapter 6. In the 14th verse, For sin shall not have dominion over you. In other words, sin does, uh, you cannot, the law of sin and death has no dominion over you. Why? For you're not under it, but you're under grace. You're under grace. A different law. Remember the law of the life or law, the law of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ hath made you free from the law of sin and death? What then? All right. Now, this is where sinners try to find their loopholes. I've tried to find them. You've tried to find them. I'm going to show you now that, that it ain't, this is not good. What then shall we sin? If we can never sin against the law of sin and death, and that law being dead, that law that's going that judge Christ, that will never judge us, Shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace. What's Paul's conclusion? God forbid. I'm going to, and I want to show you why. Now, first of all, let's move back to the fifth chapter. You know, when, uh, when you're under the law of sin and death, when, when God gave the law to Adam that, that if, you, if you sin, if you break the law of eating of that that tree of knowledge of good and evil, your condition's going to change. You're going you're to fall. Did, did God make good on that promise? Of course He did. You can say yes. That's all right. You can say amen, folks. And when you agree with something, have a little amen. Act like that. That uh, uh, you know, it's always good when, when the preacher uh, looks out and his congregation are getting what he's saying, and somebody says amen. That's what I believe. Uh, that always does you preach well. It's okay to agree with me. If you don't agree with me, see me afterwards. Don't do it right in the middle of the, of the sermon. See me afterwards and we'll talk about it. <clears throat> and, I'll, and if I'm wrong, I will confess. <clears throat> but did not God make good on his promise? That when Adam fell, he died 
and went straight into the law of sin and death. Amen. Thank you, Brother Carlos. Amen. That's right. That's what happened. God made good on His promise. Now, God cannot change that, right? That cannot be changed. Something has to overcome it, though. In our, in our Bible study, uh, not a, a few weeks ago, we were studying the book of Esther. And, uh, and when, uh, when Haman, that wicked Haman, uh, through deception, went to the king and wanted to kill all the Jews in those 127 provinces in the Median Persian uh, a, a realm that was in, in control in those days. All those Jews are in captivity. He said, King, you know, these, these people out here are, are bad people and, and there's time for them to die. And, and King said, Haman, whatever you say, do. Here's my ring and you seal, you seal the report that you say. So Haman wrote the report, sent it out, and had the king's seal on that proclamation that all the Jews was going to have to be put to death. You know, that could not be undone. But it could have another law that superseded it. And that's when Mordecai came in, a Jew. And I, we, I hope you know the story to this. But what Mordecai did, and Esther, his, 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 uh, his actual, uh, be his niece, uh, was now the king's wife. And, and she exposed that to the king. He didn't know this was her people. He didn't know she was a Jew. Married a woman, didn't know what she was. She was a Jew. These are my people, she said. And this wicked Haman has made a proclamation, a law that they must die. The king says, I can't undo it. But I can write another one. I can give one that superseded. And he says, Mordecai, you write it, and I will seal it with my ring. So when the king sealed it with the ring, this law superseded that law of death. This was the Jews' law of life. So God cannot undo the law he promised of sin and death. You sin, you're going to fall in the law of sin and death, but God can give a law to supersede it. That's why the end of the, the uh, book of, of Romans 5th chapter ends like this. <clears throat> For by one man's disobedience were many made sinners. How many? As many as Adam represented. That's all of us. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. How many? As many as Christ represented. That is his people. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. That is, God gave the law so that you would know that you're a sinner. But where sin abounded, guess what? Grace did much more. A superseding law, grace supersedes the law of sin and death. Uh, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by our Lord Jesus Christ and nobody else. That's why Paul said, by one man, grace entered into this world, and that's the Son of God. Now, let's go to Colossians and read a little bit more. Then, then we've, we've gotta, we're going to have to, uh, I'm just going to ask you to bear with me today as I do quite often. All right, Colossians. This, this theme is going on. Second chapter of Colossians, in the 13th verse, And you being dead in your sins, or being under the law of sin and death, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, not, not, I still got a hard and stony heart, right? Hath he quickened together? That is, he hath, uh, his seed now has invaded, come in you, you are born from above. Now you're quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, so that the law of sin and death can never reach up and get you again, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that was contrary to us, took it out of the way, and nailed it to the cross. How about that? When the Son of God was nailed to the cross, the law was nailed with Him. And the law will never be your judge. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. That's something to rejoice in. But now, let's look at Paul's language again in chapter 6 of Romans. Let's, let's catch this. And there's a reason why he puts stuff like this in here. <clears throat> what shall we say then? 
Shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? Here's another, God forbid. He says this quite often in this chapter. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Because we do not change the definition of sin, do we? Sin is still a transgression of the law. But we sin against a different law now. When you sin now, and you sin intentionally, you sin straight against the law of the spirit of life that has made you free from the law of sin and death. And if that don't make you quiver, I don't know what will. My, my knees tremble at all the things I did against the law of the spirit of life, as if that law gives me permission to break God's laws. We can't change the definition of sin, y'all. It is still the transgression of law, but we do sin against another law. You'll never sin against the law of sin and death. You're dead to it. It is dead to you. But my friends, when you sin now, you put Christ to an open shame. When you sin now, it's a direct sin against the law of life in you. As if to say, since I am free from the law of sin and death, and God cannot condemn me for that, and He condemned Jesus for it, and all my sins were laid upon Him, my iniquities were upon Him, I can now enjoy the iniquities that were laid upon Him? That does not make sense. And it will not go unpunished. You will not be punished eternally. But you will be corrected by God in some way, shape, or form. Because how we think God sees things, and we just say, I didn't really mean it that way. Whatever law it is, you take the law of Moses, any of those ten laws that you break, you break now right against the law of the Son of God. Or any of those unrighteous actions, all unrighteousness of sin, anything you do now, when you do intentionally, you do it straight against the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and you don't think God says, wait a minute. If I provided my son to be crucified for you, and this is as good as you can do, this is how your response is, that you're going to say that, 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 and that's why Paul said, how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? How can we continue in it? I want to know why, I want you to understand, because I didn't know this growing up. I wish somebody, I wish a preacher would have preached this when I was their age back there, or younger. I didn't hear things like this. And so I go right on off thinking it doesn't matter what you do in life. You know, it's just fun, having fun with your friends. Uh, uh, you know, uh, if I wanted to watch Dallas Cowboys instead of go to church. You know, and I, and I got to stay home, maybe watch a game or something. Guess what I was doing? I was sinning right against the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus as if to say, you gave me permission to break it. Even though you hung for it, you were crucified for it. Thank you for that. Now I can break it with a free conscience. God help us. God help us. God help you. Don't be like me. Don't be that way. Um, because when we sin, now this is especially true for us, right? Because God puts a... <laughs> He puts a, a, a certain phrase in, the, in, 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 in certain scriptures when he says things like, and they that know the knowledge of the truth, they that have it. If you have the knowledge of the truth and you still do this, it's worse. It's, it's, listen, it's better. For a, for a nation over somewhere who have never had the gospel preached and they're a child of God, I say it's better because God says it is. If they live and they do things because they have never been taught what I am teaching you today, God does not say He will not visit them. He said, to those who do not know, these are the words of Jesus Christ, to those who have no knowledge, I will beat them, but it will be with few stripes. But he that has my knowledge... And does not prepare himself to do my will. I am going to beat him with many stripes. I've been under that before. Avoid it. You can. 
You can. Don't let the devil deceive you. Don't let this world deceive you. Don't let your uh, entertainers deceive you. Do not let your politicians deceive you. And don't you deceive somebody else by telling them it is okay to do this. Because what basically they're saying, it's okay to sin against the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and it is not. Let's look now at some of the scriptures that prove this. Let's go to the book of Second uh, Peter. Now... <clears throat> Second Peter, this is, uh, this is how Paul starts out. I mean, Peter starts out concerning these people in the second chapter. There are false prophets among the people, and there shall be false teachers among you. So people are going to tell you things. They're, 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 they had false prophets in the days before the Lord, and they're going to be false teachers in the day of the gospel. People are going to tell you what you want to hear, in other words. And they're going to bring in damnable heresies. They're going to just tell you certain things are right under certain conditions. You know, the law is, it goes away, we change it. Goes all over, uh, along in America today, doesn't it? All right, now let's get back to the, toward the end of this. Let's see, uh, in the 18th verse, when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh. That's exactly how Satan gets you is your lust of the flesh. Through much wantonness, and that just means seduction. Doesn't have to mean sexual seduction. Could mean seduction in any way to, to allure you to do something that is contrary to the will of God. And he does this to those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. So this is talking about somebody who has clean escaped. You know, in other words, they've cleaned their lives up. They're they're church members and and uh, and they're Bible readers and and uh, uh, you know they they've uh, they've made a profession of Jesus Christ. They're children of God. In other words, they're children of God. All right. Then what? <clears throat> While they promise them liberty. In other words, they will they'll promise you freedom. You're going to be free from that stuff. You know. Goodness gracious, just free to do what you want to. This is America. This is, this is your life. you got one shot at it, guys. You're not here for a long time, but be here for a good time. Live it up. Don't worry about the church. Don't worry about sin. Don't worry about your, you know, about your actions. Just get along with everybody. Whatever they do, you be a part of it because you being happy is the most important thing in this life. Hogwash. Or as Joe Nettle says, balderdash and poppycock. It is neither good. <clears throat> but they'll promise you liberty, but they themselves are the servants of corruption. Notice what they actually serve. For of whom a man is overcome, the same is he brought in bondage. And listen to this. For if after they have escaped, talking about the child of God, the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, I know my sins were laid on Him. They were laid on Jesus Christ. I know that. The law of sin and death hath no dominion over me. And once you know that, if you're entangled therein and overcome again with sins, and you sin directly against the law of the Spirit of life, Peter says the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. God's judgments on people who know to do good and do not do it is worse. For he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him, what? It is sin. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. And this is strange. But this is how it is. Because once you know the way of righteousness and you still break God's laws. Paul, Peter's saying it's better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. It'd been better never to know because your strikes would have been less. But you say, I want to know about my salvation. I want to know too. But does that make you want to sin against the law? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? I hope not. And I hope you know there's consequences. All right, let's go to a few more places. We're going to draw it in. Let's go to book Hebrews chapter 6. All right. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 6. Fourth verse. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, talking about child of God, enlightened child of God, to know the truth in Christ, to know about righteousness, about an imputed righteousness, about your sins laid on Christ and you being dead to the law. 
who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and that's good stuff, right? And were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, children of God, and have tasted of the good word of God, enjoyed that gospel, and the powers of the world to come, you see it all over their faces, if they shall fall away back into sin against the Lord Jesus Christ, as if to say, I can do this. It's impossible to renew them unto to repentance. In other words, people can do things so long that their conscience, and they, they may break a certain law over and over and over, and their conscience simply is no longer affected by it. And you can tell them all day long. The preacher can preach something all day long that it's wrong to do this, that you're commanded to do that. And, 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 and if it doesn't, but if somebody's done it over and over and over, it's like their conscience becomes seared, like Brother Cole preached not too long ago. They become very hardened against God, against that. And it's impossible for me or anybody else here to renew them again unto to repentance. They simply have got a, 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 uh, a callous heart toward their Savior concerning some kind of law or some kind of sin. They're just not willing to give it up. And what they do is they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and they put him to an open shame. That's the way God sees it. Listen, this is how God sees things, even though we might not mean them this way. When I did things, I never thought, hey, I want to put Christ to an open shame. That sounds lovely. Sounds like a good thing to do. I wish I knew this stuff, y'all. And then he talks about the earth. The earth can bring forth two things, right? It can bring forth fruit or it can bring forth briars. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh off upon it and brings forth uh, uh, herbs meat for them by whom it is dressed receives a blessing from God. There's a blessing in the fruit that you can produce or that which bears thorns and briars. If you're going to bear thorns and briars, you are rejected and is nigh unto cursing. Notice what he says. Oh, he does not say he is cursed, but he is nigh unto it. In other words, God simply excludes him from the kingdom of God. And I, I do mean not the heavenly kingdom, but that kingdom we are to seek first. You cannot live in that and still sin. Openly, rebelliously. That's, that's what Paul said to the Galatians. They to do these things cannot inherit the kingdom of God. <clears throat> he that bears thorns and briars is rejected and nigh to cursing, whose end is to be burned. Notice, remember what Peter said? It had been better for them not to have known the way than after, know, after they have known it. For the end of them is worse. There will be some kind of judgment God will bring upon you. Y'all, this is serious. Now, I'm telling you, it's serious stuff. I'm not making this up. This is a serious Serious thing when we sin purposely against the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And even the most thing, the things that we would consider not that important. The Pharisees did. There were, there, were, there, were like, there were two commandments that they thought were the least of the commandments. And they were honoring their father and their mother, which, which you know, uh, uh, was, was part of those six to men. And the other one was keeping the, the Sabbath day, which belonged to God. And the Pharisees felt like they had authority just not to, 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 to break the laws of God. If they don't want to do it, they just didn't do it because they felt like they were up here. So Jesus said, if any man breaks the least of these my commandments and he teaches others to do so, the same is the least in the kingdom of heaven. But any man who doeth these two commandments and teaches others to do so the same as the greatest. Don't you understand that when, when you look around on a Sunday in America today, how many people are sinning against the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus? You say, Brother Kevin, it, you know, it really doesn't matter, does it? Well, let's just look how God sees this. Hebrews chapter 10. This is how God sees it, not how I see it. <clears throat> Again, when we understand how God sees things, then it's different. 
Paul said in 10, chapter 20, uh, verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. We should never waver on our faith. All right? He that, uh, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Folks, you need to provoke each other to attend church on Sundays. That's what's under consideration here. There is not another sin under consideration except the sin of breaking the Lord's Day law. This is it. I don't care if your toes are in the sand, if you're watching the, the beautiful mountains, or if you're fishing on the river. If you're doing something and you purposely, willingly do it on the Lord's Day, you fit this category. I have done it before. It will never ever be anything other than a sin against the law of the spirit of life. And this is how God takes it. Not how I want him to take it. I would like to change it. I can't do it. I wanted to change it. I could never do it. So let us consider one another provoking the love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. But exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, you know, we got our little messenger page. And, and uh, our Buffalo messenger page. We ought to provoke one another. To, uh, you know, to, to, to see on Sunday. Can't wait to see on Sunday. Can't wait to be there. Can't wait to worship. Isn't it amazing? All the things in life that we communicate people about. And the things that really mean something to us. We're, we're quick to send a text. I hope to see y'all there. Y'all please come to such and such. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. And when it comes to the house of God, everybody's like, I'm going to say a word about provoking to love and good works. And yet this, what you, do, what you do today is the kingdom of God and nothing else in this world is. There is one special place that God has set and built in this earth. And it is called the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's kingdom, he built it. Now, Paul said concerning those who forsake the assembling themselves together, he says if we sin willfully, if we do this willingly, not that, I mean, you know, Sister Sue's car was broke down. I didn't expect to see her here for three or four weeks. She can't get here. Brother Tim's sick. He can't get here. But there's people that are on our books that I ain't seen in years. Have you all seen them? I haven't seen them. If we sin willfully, after that we receive the knowledge of truth. Once you know that your sins are laid on Christ and that the law of the Spirit, uh, that the law of sin and death, you're dead to it, it's dead to you, can we still sin willfully against the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus and it be okay? <clears throat> he said, if you do this, after you receive the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for a judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. God's gonna, God is going to condemn the wicked for not serving him. Y'all believe that? You better. He will condemn the wicked for not serving him. He's going to condemn them for all their works. Every law they have ever broken, every sin they have committed are going to be brought before God, and he's going to say, here it is. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. To the children of God, he laid those sins on Christ. To the children of God, he laid those sins on Christ. He laid those sins on Christ. <clears throat> now he that despised Moses' law died without mercy, didn't he? God just simply said, take their life. And notice this, of how much more sore punishment that's rough, y'all. This is how God sees things. Of how much more sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who troddens underfoot the Son of God? This God's Son is not my Son. He's not your Son. He is not your Son. He is your Savior. But when we forsake our assembling together, we trodden underfoot. That's how God sees it. In other words, it's just like, I don't care that you did this. I'm going to try it. You know, I, it, listen, I don't care if it's, if it's, if it's T-ball you're playing and you think your little kids 
you know, if they got tournaments on the weekend and bless their little hearts, I want to play t-ball with them and I'm going to do it and, and, and God don't care because it's this good family fun. I've been there, guess what? I sinned against God. I don't care if it's the NFL team in, in, up, up in Nashville that plays and does not attend the services of God. They are sinning against the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus if they're God's children. And God does not allow loopholes. He doesn't say, well, goodness gracious, they're such good players. And I need them for my entertainment, for, my, my, uh, for the world down there. And, and they make so much money. I understand why they don't love me so much and will not serve me. Listen, God does not work that way. There are no loopholes for anybody. God is no respecter of person. He was not a respecter of person for Peyton Manning. And he was not a respecter of person for Kennedy Lofton if she ever played on the weekend too. You'll not find loopholes in the Bible. You find obedience. You find Jesus Christ suffering for our sins. And you find a people who say, yes, he did. That's the man I want to serve. And that is the kingdom I want to be a part of. I will not forsake it. Because the way God sees it, you and I trodden underfoot his son. It's his son, not my son. And also you count the blood of the covenant that you were sanctified, set apart in it before the foundation of the world, an unholy thing. That's the way God sees it. And then you do despite to the spirit of grace that God gave you to worship Him with. You can't worship God without the spirit. But if God has given you the spirit, in other words, if His seed remains in you, this is the means by which you are able to worship God by the Spirit of God in you. And when you don't do it, you are doing despite to that Spirit. And you're sinning right against the law, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We cannot change the definition of sin. We just change the law. It's just a different law we sin against. And, the, and just because the law of sin and death is put away and we're dead to it and, I, and it is dead to us, should not ever give us the, the, the absolute uh, knowledge or the, or the desire want to go ahead and sin against the law of spirit of life. Boy, let's bring Christ down, y'all. Put him to an open shame. If, if Whatever sin it is, whatever sin, whatever law, whatever it is you want to break, whatever unrighteous thing you want to do, you do it right against the Lord Jesus Christ and notice what comes next and I'll end. I felt this. This is part of my life I have felt. I know this part by experience. At least it's not, not so much the forsaken my assembly together, but I do know what it's like to feel the rest of this part right here. For we know him, Paul says. We, just not, we don't have to guess about this. For we know him that said, vengeance belongs to me, I will recompense. I'm going to pay him back. That's what the word recompense means. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, another place it says, and the Lord shall judge his people. And another place it says, and it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And I have known what that scripture means. Now there's no better time in life to start serving God, to start serving the law of the Spirit of life, to exalt that law of the Spirit of life, to exalt the Savior of that law of the Spirit of life that's made you free from the law of sin and death, then right now, folks, take up your cross, follow the Lord, be obedient to Him, shun sin, resist the devil, He'll flee from you, don't make loopholes, don't find loopholes, don't find excuses, you'll not find them in the Bible. God does not allow anybody, anyone, because of who they are. Even they are Peyton Manning. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't, he doesn't have no respect for Peyton Manning because he throw, threw a good spiral on a Sunday. Nor did he have respect for Tim Tebow who would play on Sunday and bump his chest and look up to God. That is not worship, friends. That is not, wor that is not the way Jesus Christ should be worshipped. He deserves more than that. Come on. He deserves more than that. May God richly bless you.